Good news, everyone. You're listening to Sci-Fi on Trial. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and I am thrilled to invite you back to Sci-Fi on Trial, the show where we debate poorly received science fiction classics to see if they have been remembered fairly. This episode is the conclusion of The Trial of Star Wars, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. You've already heard our first two episodes, three hours of epic debate content, trying to determine if this film has been remembered fairly. And in this episode, it all comes to a head. Joining me once again is my stalwart debate panel, co-hosted by Daniel O'Connell and featuring Johnny Unicorn, Ryan Casey, and Jenny Krantz. The intention for Sci-Fi on Trial was to come up with a list of six questions that could be asked of any bad sci-fi movie and one special question for each film. Let's jump right back into our panel discussion as we are about to tackle our special question for this movie. And oh boy, it is a doozy. Oh, we gotta, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta move, move this thing along. Ready? This All trial right. is turning into yeah. the OJ trial. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, question five. So for the podcast, we're going to have one question that's specifically designed for the movie. And in this case, that question is, is this movie racist? Can I go first? Because this Please question, do. this question hits me uh, strangely. This uh, it's really uncomfortable to me because I don't. Agreed. It hits something about when Jar Jar Binks talks hits me in my white guilt zone no. for sure. But it feels racist to say that it's racist. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. No. Explain. To be like, oh, he talks like who? Who am I saying he, he talks, he talks like? like a slate, like a. Like a yeah. guy from right. yeah. So right. I, feel, I feel uncomfortable. Right. Uh-huh. I also, it's, it's like a, it's like watching a blackface movie. Is it? Yeah, it's like watching an that's, old that's like the, Gone yeah. with the Wind or something like Misa, like <laughs> my master. But it's not intentional, right? I so. don't. Is it? Not, well, no, of course. I it's don't. Not, it's not like he set out to make. I really don't think. Yeah. It I was, don't think it is. That's just what he pulled out. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I want to hear Ryan. Sorry, I have. I did. I did the this character that I do episode one guy who was he. It's it's a, someone whose favorite movie is episode one. Not it's not just favorite Star Wars movie, but it's favorite movie. But <laughs> there was a guy who saw me do it, and he came and he was like, "I worked. I actually worked on episode one. Whoa. I did CGI for it. Whoa! Wait, what was his the enemy? Name? I can't remember his name now. Did he, you meet him at Rendezvous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His name man. was like War War like So yeah, he was like a producer. Of, I've seen him a lot of art he, events around. He town did something. I, I think he did CGI stuff for it. I, I think he worked name. on it, yeah, and I then and then he talked about literally. He's like, I I worked on the CGI on you know, and it had like sort of like temp. Uh, dialogue uh-huh. in there and then they went to like a special screening when the movie was complete when done and just like when like he's like oh and you heard Jar Jar we were just like oh no wow <laughs> that's oh my that's not so that wasn't the okay. temp that he had but who came up with that voice was it the actor was it um that said yeah I'm at best I'm at best I'm at best yeah but it's also has to be to no it has to be <laughs> written that way you know what I mean it's directed that way for sure it's written 
like the weird words that he uses. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't sound racist when Boss Nass uses it. Because they, they all speak like all the Gungans yeah, they speak have the with the, the Misa stuff. But it doesn't yeah. sound as racist. It doesn't sound as much like a caricature. I don't think it's intentional. I, I know, I I know I it's not intentional. I think it's yeah. just but sort the, of it, it, it kind of. It's like we need accents, but they can't be real accents. So let's like add words and do all these things. But it ends yeah. up sounding like some other real accent anyway. I think they're trying to create <laughs> accents for other cultures by being creative and saying, well, how can, yeah. can we create these accents? And then the problem is that it ended up happening three times in this movie where yeah. you have the mm-hmm. uh, the. The, the viceroy, viceroy who sounds kind, yeah. kind of a caricature, racist caricature of yeah. someone who's like vaguely Asian in some way. Yeah. And then you have Watto. Yeah. You think Jewish? I, I thought, thought Italian. Really? Oh, I saw Jewish. No. You're Jewish. Money, I'm money. Jewish. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this comes up in Star Trek also. Like people say, the Ferengi are are kind of like a Jewish stereotype, which I don't. That's really why they added forehead see. ridges to the Klingons, uh, <laughs> right? Why? Because they thought it. Having them like their old way with um, just made it look like oh, like blackface or something or like wow, I never thought about by that. By putting forehead ridges on it, they're like way more alien. They are all well. They are my all understanding old. of why they added the forehead ridges was because they had better makeup technology and yeah. better budget, and they wanted Klingons <laughs> to look more alien. Yeah. But now that you say know. that, I'm like, wow. When I think about the original <laughs> I mean, series, it, it, it like, is almost blackface. It's like this is George Lucas, <laughs> yeah, yeah. menace film. Yeah, I mean. Like, blackface is something that's not talked about because it's so fucking embarrassing that that's something that happened in movies. Um, and I love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because they just, like, grab that <laughs> and make fun of it yeah. uh, in the best way imaginable, which I think kind of allows us in a way to open up a discussion about, like, our history of cinema and saying, wow, there was some racist fucking shit in our history of cinema. But sure. by the, in 1999, yeah. we are beyond so, this. Yeah. You know? Why wouldn't you? And it's a made-up universe. Like you don't need to go towards the. And even so, again, like watching this again with my nephews, kids, like, and I did not prep them for. The, I did not give them any. I was just. And they pointed out. They really? Were like, yeah, they noticed. A 10 and 13 year old yeah. were like, yeah, and the viceroy, like that seems like a Chinese, like imperialist and. And yeah, and Jar Jar being this like dumb, clumsy, like sort of black character, like, they point it as children. Yeah, we're pointing this out. So yeah. it's not just that they sound that way; it's that they also act in a way that's also yeah. like, like all the worst stereotypes you can think of. Yeah. It's frustrating. And but but then why do they sound like like uh, someone who's from China speaking English? You know? That, yeah. That doesn't yeah. make sense. Why is that how an alien sounds? And I can appreciate the fact that they were trying to create an accent for species. I guess. What? But you got to be so careful when you do that. I mean, what? seriously. Well, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, I just, um, what is an example of someone who really nails it there? Who really nails making a brand a new fake accent? I have one example. It's Counselor Deanna Troy on Star Trek The Next Generation. She made that accent up? She made that accent up. She is She doesn't speak British. like that? British. She doesn't speak like that. I've she's met her. She's not a Betazoid. Yeah. <laughs> she's not actually from... That's pretty cool. From, she's not actually a Betazoid. Yeah, I have an action figure hanging on my wall up there that's signed by her. Uh, and she has just like a British accent. And she changed the way she spoke for seven years to try to represent a different culture. Yeah. And the way she talks is... 
interesting and cool and works for her character. Doesn't sound like anything in particular. Uh, and that's just great they acting. They do that a lot you know? in Star Trek. Even that's what like I thought. Worf sounds, he has a Klingon <laughs> accent. Yeah, Klingons you know? have an accent, you know? That's, like, that's, I mean, they kind of growl everything. I'll have a prune juice. But then when they speak in their own language, yeah. you're like, oh, I get it. I get where their language, where their accent comes from because their language is very guttural and sure. gruff. Uh, so it works. But you never yeah. hear these Trade Federation guys speak their own language, do you? Does it right, sound- and I'm sure if you did, it would make it worse. But you hear the Huts. You know? Job of the Hut speaks his own language. Yeah, yeah. but that he never sense. speaks English. Yeah. Right. No, he doesn't. But That's other people true. speak Huttese. Drascuni Dopots, Lamo. Uh, yeah, uh, most people That's on Tatooine are speaking right? Huttese. Yeah. I noticed that today. I also noticed you today. You noticed that today? Yeah, I'd never noticed that before when I watched this movie before you guys came over today. But also I think with the in terms of like the language and the dialogue, it's whether or not I don't know, like you could say Yoda is kind of a like Asian (laughs) he talks like in the backwards but 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 the difference is Yoda is this intelligent why like it's not insulting. There's nothing negative about Yoda. If you're using a negative stereotype that has been used in like the, in that cinema. is yeah yeah I feel like it feels like it's done as if he kind of thought it was gonna be funny right mm-hmm. so in that way it's racist kind of like as we're talking about this it's making up yeah. my mind that yes this is racist I think he thought yeah. it would be goofy yeah and if you, yeah. even if you're unaware that you're doing it racism is something that you're unaware of. Like, the people that I've yeah. known that are racist yeah. don't think they're racist. Racism is not you know? just members of the KKK. Right. Like, I, I, I knew someone who I pointed out that he was being racist to me once, and he said, no, that's not racist. The, all these things I'm saying are just true, you know? And he he was generalizing about uh, a culture yeah. by with all these negative things and then just saying that it's just true. And that's yeah, the... like Asians can't drive well. Right. Like that's but the I'm not essence. racist. That's just true. It's like, the essence no. of racism. Or that they when always you... blockade planets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? They're always doing <laughs> that. Always yeah. I am always saying that one. In, in fairness, that China. one's pretty true. <laughs> yeah. that was, no, that wasn't them, though. They were they were being manipulated by the emperor, who was that's, British. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. there's another... Oh, so they love their navies. There's another... So I, <laughs> when I was looking at this question, I tried to think of a counter argument, and someone I was kind of expecting someone to think, "Well, everyone, all the villains in the original Star Wars are British." Think about right. Grand Moff Tarkin, but they're like them. the top yeah. villains. But that's yeah, that's on purpose. That's and the rebellion is American. Yeah, yeah, but, that's yeah. on also, purpose. Because di- yeah, the British are not an oppo- like an oppressed people. Like right. they're the villains. Right. Not- he could have given them all German accents, and it would be that would have like, no, that would have raised some eyebrows. Right. Right. But now that I think about it. It is kind of racist because why would why would only people that speak with a British accent choose to like join the empire? Well, but and again, Princess Leia kind maybe, of has a British accent mm, in Episode kind One. Of. It's like it's uh, maybe if you're from maybe it's you a mean Coruscant episode four. accent. Episode four. Yeah, yeah. It's like you don't even care <laughs> about the series. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fancy person accent. <laughs> yeah, for fancy oh, people who it's are just in making charge. me. I was I, mean, I was like riding this high. <laughs> of like enjoying this movie again for the first time since like the first time I'd seen it, and, and this I'm just like getting back into my entrenched hatred that's been. Why what? don't they have guns? Why are the uh, Gungans throwing little energy balls? Oh, that's just. I dumb. thought we were just gonna not talk about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. give them some Goo guns. Balls. The universe Goo, has yeah. guns. Goo balls. Goo balls. Goo balls. Those things are yeah. very effective. The way Jar Jar 
uses them. Oh, I hate that shit. Like Jar Jar accidentally destroys it. To be fair, they lost that. They lost the fuck out of that battle. I mean, yeah, they they only show Jar Jar being lucky. Everything else in that battle was Gungans dying. Like they just lost, and the only reason that the battle ended was because Anakin knocks out the power center. But that's that's the storytelling that's cool. Is that they got four plots going at once, and they're showing them. Here's the part of this scene where they're doing that, and here's the parallel in this. Yeah, but is it cool if all four suck? Well, if, if one of the four is good. Two of the one, four are just people stumbling around, right? So Anakin's just stumbling around in a spaceship. He doesn't know yeah. what he's doing. Is it four or three? So you got Anakin. He accidentally blows that ship up. He yeah. doesn't even oh, know yeah, what he's doing. Yeah, it's a total accident. And yeah. it's supposed Whoa. to be like the, the force guiding him. That's pretty cool. Like the retcon. The, so the people that do the good easy. things. You can't rely on that. The whole is the force. The, yeah. the people that are like winning are the ones that are just, that are, don't, know, don't even know what they're doing. And then the people that are losing are the people that don't know what they're doing do should know what they're doing oh you mean the gungan the army people should like, know. no i like the well i guess they well were then like, you have like padme and panaka trying to what were they trying to do they were trying to get to the throne room get to the throne room yeah if they can get to the throne room then there's something there get then. to the viceroy if they can huh. if they can get the viceroy then they yeah. can like cut the head off of the army basically and then there's yes. the the, they could the lightsaber control ship yeah all the droids turn and it's duel of the fates so yeah. the only thing, and so, so it's three things apart. happening at once. You have the the Jedi and the Sith battling. You have uh, all, like it Padme trying to get to the Viceroy, and you have Anakin. No, it's four because you have Anakin up in the sky, and then you have the Gungans fighting. It is four. Anakin up in the sky is up there too. He's flying. He's fighting off droid fighters. Who? Rick Oli. Rick Oli. He's the pilot. The actor, right? No, that's his character's that's name. His character's name? Rick, Rick, Rick Oli. He's got a following on the internet. Oh, People I thought like that was Rick an actor. Oli. I didn't realize that was a character. character. No, the actor is, is the guy from Wayne's character? World 2 who played the roadie. Yeah. Like, the British he, guy who lives in... I never knew any of this until you told me today. <laughs> he's the one who's exactly like... Exactly London, like, England. When they're trying to escape and then R2 fixes the ship, he's like, oh, that droid fixed the ship and now oh. I can fly it. Oh. And then later he's in the battle. But oh, you, you don't oh. give him any lines to make you care about him. Yeah. So you is lose. he the guy that said we made it through the blockade? Yeah, that's him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Rick Oli. That all falls into place now. See? So how do we? So on this question, do we all feel like this movie is racist? Is there anyone who doesn't feel like it's racist? Are there any other instances I, of racism in it? Unintentionally, unintentionally racist. racist. Uh, I don't know. I never feel comfortable making calls about this. I know. I'm I'll just such an ignorant to, human being who's read so little about... I, I genuinely <laughs> don't know if I could define racism adequately. Huh. Uh, so I would say I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say I don't know. Yeah. It, it, I, I it would, raises flags for me all the time when yeah. I watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to be like, okay, that's the thing that's happening. I think, uh, but I'm still more, watching it, and maybe I shouldn't be. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty... Bl- I don't know. I think it's it, unethical it, to watch this movie. That's, no, I don't think it is. the question. I think you can still watch it, but I think you. (laughs) I I think I think you don't. I think you can be aware that something is problematic and still enjoy it. Yeah, it says a lot about our culture that this was pointed out so fervently because we've come so far to the point where, like, movies used to be released that were just straight up racist. That would be very popular. That's Um, true, but in 1999, yeah, I think it's I just think it's another example of George Lucas being so hyper focused on one thing. 
that he's kind of just he's taking in terms of script, in terms of characterization. I also he's think just he, taking an easy route with the script. Like, oh, yeah. these guys are. This is was the first thing that came to his mind. Is these yeah. guys are gonna be like yeah. this? And yeah. he was kind of yeah, he yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. meaning to. He wasn't. He's just not paying that much attention Agreed. to the script or the characters. Totally. Yeah. Also, not that them. it excuses it, but he is an old man. I think <laughs> he is an old white no, man. Maybe he think, doesn't uh, recognize. Yeah. No, I think that that is kind of also kind of the crux of a lot of it is that. <laughs> He's kind of just old and shouldn't have made those movies so many years later. Right. Himself. Right. I think he's just a little out of touch. And I think that I don't think that you get to be super good at everything for your I think you get to be out of your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But he kind of didn't really make movies for a long time. And money and success change you. Yes. Power, power, power changes. changes you. He turned to the dark side. He huh. became the emperor. And he, became, uh, he got too much power. Yeah, I, I do think. I mean, I do think that George Lucas is, in a lot of ways, a he great did man. Create a Anakin. great man. Of course, you know? he's a great man. If like, I don't. I, <laughs> <laughs> like when you when you read about what he's up to now. I mean, once he sold Star Wars, he's doing like a lot of charitable stuff. I mean, he's doing a lot of great stuff. Yeah. So of course, he's yeah. not a bad person. Yeah. He gave I, me. He gave me one of my all-time favorite things. Yes, you know, future yeah. Foley artists fund. <laughs> <laughs> no, That's we'll all forever yeah. be grateful for what it he. Be. Oh. Again, I don't think. Overall, you can't let the disappointment and anything to do with what we're talking about with the prequels should not detract anything away from the originals. They should that those don't are let still it drag you down. Wonderful movies in their own right, and they're just. Hold on to those for what you love about and them. And find the originals. Somebody yeah, find ah, the VHS. I would love to see the original. If you actually have, I sorry, have them. Yeah. Hit, but you know what? There's the 1995 edition that was before the special edition, where they like really blackened up all the blacks. And no, that's really what I nice. mean. That's what I'm that t- one was pretty. That good. was the first yeah. re-release that they put in theaters, right? That's the one that the one that was, was in it? theaters had new special effects. Wait, before were there that, two? Before were there two releases in theaters? On VHS, they remastered it without changing anything. Yeah. Okay, I think that's the first copy that I. They colored like it. They, first, they, they messed with the colors a little bit. They did, I think. As part they of the kind remastering. They sharpened everything yeah. up, right. and yeah. then they did the special edition? Yes. Yeah, yeah. the special yeah. edition's right. Two okay. years later. Yeah. Because my first experience with Star Wars was definitely on TV, because I remember like this Levi's commercial where they're all dancing in these black jeans, and there's like tires going by and stuff. And I remember <laughs> seeing like rolling around. Who can forget that commercial? Do you remember this? I don't know. <laughs> remember this. Let's get some outside opinions on whether or not this film is racist. We're going to hear from Andrew Lee Creech, Pete G.K., and Justin Minnick. I have to say, even before, uh, on this last viewing, before you even asked me this question, I'm like, this is racist. This is absolutely racist. And, but there's a caveat to that. I want to say it's unintentionally racist. Um, And I guess what I mean by that, and... So to preface this whole thing, I have to say that in examining anything, we have to kind of look at intention versus reception. And to me, there's a, there's, there's a distinct difference and, and it's something that always has to be considered because I may create something and put something out there with one intention, but if that, my intention has nothing to do with how people receive it, right? How it's viewed. And, uh, that's just something you have to kind of always be paying attention to because if you're not careful, you could offend somebody or you don't quite know, you know, how something is going to be perceived. Um, so I think that's something to consider. And I think that this 
film just might have been a teensy weensy bit careless in in that planning and going forward with this movie. Um, so I would say yes. And, and the way it really comes through for me is in the uh, in all of the aliens, right? I feel like this movie, in its at its core, uses stereotypes. It it like heavily relies on racial stereotypes when it comes to the creation of these aliens. And it's weird because alien basically means other, something that you are not. It's something separate. And so when I'm looking at all the aliens that they created, I'm, like even in the very first scene, it's uh, the Trade Federation, right? The blockade that they set up. And the Nemoidians, the, the race of people is just, they speak with this sort of, it's like, a, gosh, what is it? It's... Um, Oh yeah, it's like some weird amalgamation of various Asian accents, right? And I'm like, I don't, and it's weird because it's like, they're the masters of trade, they're, and, right? And it's weird because then I, and I looked up figures on this, and last year, China, Japan, and South Korea, respectively, were number two, four, and six on the top 20 trading partners with the U.S., in 1999, Japan and China were number three and four, respectively, on that same list. And 1999 is when the film came out. So it's just, it's suspect. I'm not going to say they did it intentionally, but is it, it is suspect that it's like this race of aliens who just kind of go around and, you know, say things like, oh, welcome your highness, and just do the, you know, like, the people will persuade the people to see our point of view. And it's like, weirdly, like, why are you doing that? I'm not quite sure. Um... And then, of course, when we're getting to, you know, talk about Jar Jar, he's a walking, talking racial stereotype. And the, the whole thing, he, just Jar Jar himself is like a bumbling, walking fool. He ruins everything for everybody. He, he's viewed as, as, as dumb and, and uh, almost uh, a mannerless thief when he when they're on a Tatooine and they're having dinner right at the Skywalkers and his giant tongue comes out and he's like stealing food from the table and Qui-Gon has to teach him manners right he snatches his tongue and goes don't do that again and 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 he this is the thing he's viewed as dumb and he kind of has this it's so funny because at one point he quite literally becomes Qui-Gon's slave right at in that movie, because he because he, he saves his life, and the Gungans are about to kill him, and then Qui Gon steps in and goes, "No, remember, uh, he I saved his life. He owes me what you'd call a life debt. The gods your gods demand that his life belongs to me now." And they're like, "By golly, you're right. Take him away," and he does. He quite literally becomes Qui Gon's slave, and goes on this journey with them. I love that, and I just love that the Gungans live underground. Or like underwater, uh, you know, under the white people, the Naboo. <laughs> and, and even that's hilarious because uh, Obi-Wan is, you know, talking to Boss Nass and he's like, you and the Naboo form a symbiont circle. What happens to one of you affects the other. You must understand this. And of course, the boss is like, we saw no caring about the Naboo. They think they're so smarty. The big brains, and it's like, okay, this is a little ridiculous. So just the whole idea, the whole concept of the Gungan is inherently racist. 
Jar Jar and like the 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 giant features, the the you know exaggerated features, the exaggerated speaking way of way of speaking, the tongue. It, it's a walking minstrel show almost. It's so strange, but. Anyways, um, so that's another alien that I thought was weird. Um, when they get to Tatooine, they meet uh, Watto, right? The the Toydarian. And he's, for some reason, this, like, old, cranky Jewish grandpa <laughs> who's obsessed with money and riches. Like, he doesn't want it. He just wants money and charging everybody exorbitant fees for everything. And even that's weird. It, it just, it kills me. I guess... The frustrating part about the whole thing is that, the, for me, the magic of the original Star Wars trilogy was, like I said, the worlds that they created. And this one, it felt like there was this mashing and trying to make new worlds, but not really, because with, with a few exceptions in the original trilogy, the aliens didn't speak English. They, they spoke their language. Like, uh, is it Greedo? In, in the original, like when Han and Greedo were having their exchange, and, and it's like they would have that they had to come up with a way of speaking, they had to come up with a culture and, and, and a language for these characters. But then in this new trilogy, it was almost just like, well, they just look like this, and then they have some strange, mildly racist accent, and then they speak English so everyone can understand them. And it's like, that's not Star Wars, that's not what we're saying here. And that's, I don't know. I, that's the frustrating part. They could have they could have taken the time to create a really cool alien, a really cool world, and a culture and history behind it. Um, but instead it just felt racist and lazy. Uh, <laughs> and that's <laughs> and that's kind of where it is for me. Now that I say unintentionally racist because again, it's intention versus reception, and I don't think they intended that. And for me it's it's been about there's a quote by this uh, Greek playwright named Terence. And he says, and I, I love this quote and I take it with me in all of my work. And he says, uh, I am a human being. Nothing that is human is alien to me. And that's true. And uh, so it's right. It's like we're, we're on, we watch all these news, news stories and we see horrific mur murders and we automatically go, God, you know, we label them the, the perpetrator a monster and we say, we could never do something like that. And it's like, well, because it happened, you kind of could. Like somewhere it can be justified, these horrible acts. And um, I, I just think that that's important here. And I say it's unintentionally racist because I think, you know, maybe, maybe they could have been saying, these aliens are like us because again alien kind of means other but if then if then we go back to like i said as i say before um everything creates meaning and i i don't know if i did say that before but i'm saying it now everything creates meaning whether you intend it to or not it creates meaning just by its existence if you have a play that's normally cast white, uh, you know, as all white actors and you cast a person of color, it changes everything, whether you mean it to or not. It just does. So when that happens here, things change. Everything has meaning. And um, so that's, that's kind of where it is. So I'm like, okay, I'm trying to justify it to myself. So I'm like, okay, if all of these aliens, if we're saying aliens are other, but they're also speaking English and, and having these weird accents, then you, then the film might be saying, yes, they're, they are different, but we all kind of have the same problems. We've all been greedy at one point. We've all been, you know, bumbly and stupid at, at another point. So in that way, it's kind of 
interesting. And that's why I would say maybe it's not intentionally racist, but maybe there's something else there. Maybe. And then I also think another part of that might have just been that they were trying to make it more kid-friendly. You know, instead of having to read a bunch of subtitles, you could just hear them and listen to them and be more entertaining and kind of go in that direction, which is, again, if that's what you're trying to do, that's great. But I think it kind of took away from some of the magic that I thought made the original uh, trilogy so great and sci-fi in general because you don't want to you don't go see sci-fi to see the ordinary you go to see sci-fi and see something extraordinary and then from that you glean something out of it right even horror films like have some kind of social commentary behind them sci-fi is no different so I think that this film was just a little bit lazy and unaware of what it was doing but very aware of other things it was trying to do. Yes, Jar Jar Binks is garbage. He is the epitome of everything that's wrong with the movie. There is a lot wrong with the movie, I will say that. I know this isn't this isn't the question that I was tasked with, but the, I'm I'm like pretty sure the movie's kind of racist. Like like yeah. it, it's very very like intentional. I can't see it any other way. I mean like Watto is like this like really like disturbing depiction of like a Jewish stereotype and then the Federation it, like is speaking in like this sort of you know like put on sort of Asian dialect almost and you know they the outfits to me clearly seem like they're pulled from uh, like sort of Chinese robes and things like that um, it just seems fucked up like at, at, there are times where it really like I was watching and I was like George what's going on in your head man like are you like the Henry Ford of sci-fi? Like, you're really good at what you do, but deep down you're like, I hate black people. Like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I was like, especially as I was re-watching it, I was like, this... Maybe it wasn't intentional, you know? Maybe... Maybe it wasn't, but it seems it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like Jar Jar Binks at all. I really, you know, when I was a kid, like, I thought he was so fucking funny. And I know that's like, that's why he's there. That's, you know, Lucas put him in there along with some other stuff to kind of like draw in a new, he was trying to capture a new generation of fans and he did it. He did it really well. Um, but it's, it's almost schizophrenic. I mean, you have, you know, Jar Jar Binks steps in poop. Oh, gross, icky. That's hilarious. And then like all the kids laugh and then you go into a rant about intergalactic taxation that goes over almost everybody's head unless you're a total dweeb and like really love the Star Wars universe. And then, you know, yeah, two seconds later, you have like the ultimate evil, like murdering a guy and then he gets cut in half. Like it's it's so bizarre. But um, Jar Jar specifically, I think, is like my representation. That's kind of my where I project all my hate of uh Lucas surrounding himself with yes men because nobody decided to say maybe we don't need this guy he, he doesn't advance the plot at all I mean he shows them Gunga City but it's neither here nor there until the end of the movie and even then Queen Amidala already knows about it so she could have at the very end she could have been like there's this whole race of people who live underwater let's go ask him for help Like, no need for Jar Jar at all I can't remember doesn't he end up becoming a senator or something in yeah. episode two. That's he's okay. Oh my! All right. He's needlessly appointed to the rank of general at the end of episode one and proves to be completely hapless at it. I don't understand how in the fuck 
the you know the king of the Gungans is gonna look at this guy who was banished from the city for being clumsy and breaking a bunch of shit. He's like, no, go ahead, lead the army. You got it. You have no qualifications for this, but you got it. So stupid. The only reason that they didn't get fucking murdered was because Anakin accidentally ended up in the fucking harbor of that Federation ship and then sort of blew it up. But again, like it was that whole ending scene other than the lightsaber duel and parts of, uh, you know, Amidala storming the palace that that those two parts, they could have just left it at that. Like just those two scenes instead you have like this insane like okay i guess it's kind of cool to see anakin like we know that he's a good pilot but like you got two more movies to kind of give that to us man we don't need to see that shit when he's a kid and the baby-sized helmet that's just sitting in that fighter jet or that that, the ship that he gets in like there's no shot there's no shot there's gonna be a helmet that's gonna fit him he's never thought about that he's five years old why is why is a helmet Fitted for a five-year-old, gonna be sitting in that jet in the in the ship. Oh, I keep calling it a jet. I sound like an idiot. Is this movie racist? <laughs> well, like not the entire movie. It seems really obvious to me that Jar Jar in particular, but the Gungans as a whole, are a really racist parody of people of like African and or Caribbean descent. I mean, honestly. The- <laughs> You know, I think if you watched scenes with Jar Jar and then watched, say, some of the incredibly racist cartoons that were made um, in the early 20th century, then you'd see like, then you'd see very, very big parallels. The conclusions that that one could come to is that, okay, either George Lucas is racist, either, you know, overtly or subconsciously, or he got lazy, you know, with these, with these aliens and said, like, okay, well, just, like, throw some sort of, like, uh, cultural or racial uh, character or stereotype on it and call it good. You know, what else are we supposed to think? He may have had other intentions, but it's all about what you're able to communicate. George Lucas, you did something wrong. (laughs) So when you think about the original trilogy, um, Jabba the Hutt doesn't strike me as a particular ethnic group, really. Nor do uh, Twi'leks, actually. Same thing with, uh, you know, with, with Wookiees. You know, I guess Ewoks are indigenous peoples. Um, even, the, even like the fucking Mon Calamari, um, Admiral Akbar, and all that. I mean, he sounds like fishy, cephalopod, hominid sort of thing that, you know, lives, uh, you know, partially in water, but doesn't sound like he's a parody or a character of any particular race or ethnic group that actually exists. But yeah, in like other alien, like you go into Moss Eisley, every one thing in there is speaking a different language, you know, and the ones that speak English don't sound like they're a, a stereotype of something else. And so why he kind of went in another direction for this movie is um, kind of odd to me. I did a little research into what popular culture thinks about whether or not this film is racist, and I ran across an interview from Ahmed Best, the man who played Jar Jar, the man himself. Just this year, he was asked whether or not he thought this film was racist in an interview, so I'm going to read a little bit of this for you. It just further underscores the ignorance and the blind unrealness of dealing with racism in this country. The lack of education and the lack of exposure to what actually is racist to non-black folks is abysmal. 
For anyone to say that is offensive because it shows the ignorance of not knowing what a Rastafarian is and not having proper education and knowledge of what minstrelsy was in the time of Vaudeville, Butterfly McQueen, and Stephen Fetchett. They really don't know what those roles were and why those roles were. I think that ignorance and the lack of education that's pervasive in this country not only allows criticism like that to be actually voiced without any type of proof. So there you go. That's what Ahmed Best has to say. The man inside Jar Jar does not feel that this part was racist, that this character was racist. And he seems to believe that people do not have the education on what true racism is, and that's why people assume that this character is racist. I have to say, I think that's a really good point, because I've heard a lot of talk about how this character is reminiscent of minstrel shows or people in blackface. I've never seen a minstrel show. I've you know never watched anything with anyone in blackface. Besides, of course, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is obviously a parody. Because I have no interest in seeing that. I don't want to see that. But as the host of this show, since we're tackling this big topic, uh, I'm going to read a little bit from the Wikipedia page about The Minstrel Show because I think that we need this context of what it actually is. So, The Minstrel Show, or Minstrelsy, was an American form of entertainment developed in the 19th century of comic skits, variety acts, dancing and music, performed by white people in blackface, or, especially after the U.S. Civil War, by black people. Minstrel shows lampooned black people as dim-witted, lazy, buffoonish, superstitious, happy-go-lucky, and musical. By 1948, blackface minstrel shows were the national art form, translating formal art such as opera into popular terms for a general audience. By the turn of the 20th century, the minstrel show enjoyed but a shadow of its former popularity, having been replaced for the most part by vaudeville. It survived as professional entertainment until about 1910. Amateur performances continued until the 1960s in high schools and local theaters. As the civil rights movement progressed and gained acceptance, minstrels lost popularity. God damn, I didn't know any of that. So all I really knew about minstrel shows was that it was a sort of blackface vaudeville that was racist. But getting a little bit of the background, the history makes me even more upset. I feel it's much more racist than I had ever imagined. Uh, and I mean, I'm just scratching the surface here of what the minstrel show actually was. So while I definitely appreciate Ahmed Best's opinion, and I'm very glad to include it in this podcast, I feel like getting more education on what the minstrel show was makes me personally feel like, yes, Jar Jar was racist, and yes, Jar Jar was falling into the stereotypical tropes that were a part of minstrel shows. Obviously, I still think that that was unintentional, but I think it's an important thing to point out and an important thing to be aware of so that as we move forward as a fandom and as a geek culture, we can try to avoid this sort of unintentional racism in the future. Uh, I, sci-fi is a great lens to tell allegorical stories about our culture through, and in that way, addressing racist issues can be incredibly powerful. But by doing it accidentally, in a lot of ways, you perpetuate stereotypes that have no place in our modern culture. That's my thought. Anyway, let's move on. Let's hear our next topic. What is hey. this film's legacy? Um, <laughs> Droidekas. <laughs> Dude, Droidekas rat as hell. I okay, did, yeah, this is kind of starting to like wrap up what we're talking about. Their what accents, is the legacy, you know? but uh, it is fun to say, Droideka. <laughs> <laughs> when you say legacy, do you mean like uh, how, that's not what do people feel about it so much as like what. What's the lasting effect? I think it's. For good or for bad, I think long-term good, short, short-term bad changed how movies were made, which is rad as hell. Yeah, Even I agree. Even if you do I it agree. poorly, I think it's rad as hell. I think it's so cool. I, I'm also just like 
pretty good at finding things to enjoy, but I love people like inventing a new way to make movies and yeah, we did it poorly for 10 years, but I think we're going to use it to make the the next coolest thing will be based off a lot of shit that he used we? in this. Uh-huh. Are yeah. we going to make a movie? Yeah, us five are making a movie. <laughs> yeah. What's the movie? Yes. We're going to remake episode one in our <laughs> no, image. We're going to make that, we're gonna make that Star Wars score. movie where it's just about a family. Our, and yes. yes. Are we going to shoot it in 8K? Nice. So I yes. can do all the musical, I'm sure. Awesome. No. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I definitely think that like the the effects are a huge part of the legacy of this movie. And yeah. I mean, we, we've covered that like pretty intensely. What the thing that I think about a lot is what about our kids? You know, like when, when we get older, if any of us have kids, are you going to show them episode one? Are you going to show them four, five, six, one, two, three? Are you going to show them like what order are you going to do? Yeah. Cause they should be able to tell. They should be smart enough to figure out that it, that, that that one's not a good one. So here's here's the thing that <laughs> blew my mind. I was talking to a friend who grew up in Guam, and she watched these movies in order: one, two, three, four, five, six. And she said the the craziest thing to me. She said, "Yeah, I didn't like three as much. I loved episode one. I loved episode two. I didn't like three as much because it was too depressing. I didn't. I mean, all of a sudden, Anakin turns into Darth Vader, and it really upset me. She had no idea Anakin was going to turn into Darth Vader, right. and that was a huge oh, fucking wow. plot twist. How do you find someone that doesn't? Yeah. Know. Well, she grew up in Guam. I mean, she grew up in a, in a completely different yeah. still environment. So that's a plot twist, but we don't even know it because right. we weren't even thinking about that. And isn't that cool? I mean, so can that, you imagine? Can so, you imagine seeing that for the first time, being like, "Oh my yeah. God, Anakin's Darth Vader"? Because oh, you know yeah. who Darth Vader is. People shouldn't do yeah, yeah, stories yeah. in backwards order. Oh, I always yeah. thought it would be the most amazing thing. I wish the only time I wish I was older was when I I wish I could have experienced Empire Strikes Back in the theaters and that whole "No, I am your father." Yeah. Like, what? I would have just given anything to be able to experience but if you had seen episode yeah. one first and then that happened you'd be like oh yeah that. I knew that yeah and that's what I've always thought I've always right. thought well so it ruins that moment that. that's really ch- <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that no, it's totally actually ruins changing that. the entire yeah. but, dynamic yeah. but you get a new it dynamic where you're same. surprised by Anakin turning but that's less good I, oh, I think it's less good true. but I think that because I grew up in the original so how do you think people are gonna watch them Moving forward, I mean, I know. Okay, if I have kids, I'm sorry. I'm training them in the ways of the original trilogy. Like, <laughs> yeah, no child of mine. The same way that some watch people impose religion on their kids, I'm release. gonna make them watch. I'm so, sorry. I'm hitting the table oh, again. Okay. Get really upset. I'm that gonna make sound them is Jenny watch. banging on the table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make them probably watch the originals first and watch them the way that I think that they were meant. Not in order. I just will don't. you show them the Ewok movies in between? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. And the holiday special. Has anyone seen the holiday special? I tried. No. I've listened to the album. I watched I it for the first it. time a couple months. It's it's yeah. I, I watched a little bit of it and I was like, oh wow. god. I heard Which how is, bad it was. Wow. And that was one of those things that I remember back before technology. I I searched the the <laughs> primitive internet for that i could not find it i did not Wait. watch that until yeah. like why, why don't you make ago. your kids read yeah. the books first <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna start with just, the thrawn no, just, trilogy just have them around the house taking don't even... place three or five years after return of the jedi when han and leia are married and their kids and then you will watch the original trilogy just have them lying around the house that's just the books they grew up with yeah, and then I mean, show them the movies later they'll be like what i'm really in... movies about this stuff oh my god that would be the <laughs> 
that's a good that's cool. idea. I, that would be the best. I'm really interested to see uh, whether or not your kids give a shit about this movie series. I know, I'm I have actually a, yeah. I have a theory that they will. Harry Potter fans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're going to be like, Harry I Potter. want Pokemon. I know. Yeah, there's, there's like a, seven million Pokemon. Now. There's a big thing online right now that people are like, "Man, this guy's like the best dad ever," because it's like a guy dressed as like a uh, like Minecraft. a pilot with his kid at a Comic Con thing, and people are like, "He's such a good dad." I'm like, "No, his kid's putting up with his dad's weird hobby." <laughs> right. Yeah, and I always assume that I just love <laughs> yeah. having kids because I like can if like your dad was really into Civil they can War love Star Wars and, yeah. and Lord of the Rings and so Marvel awesome. comics and they might not like that at all yeah you never know I mean it's like putting stuff on your kids I know never like, do you that you need to go to Dartmouth you need to go that. to Yale you're gonna be a Yale kid my favorite movie is Maze Runner and Maze Runner Scorch Trials <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Maze Runner? Because it is engrossing. I, have not I seen really it. want to see it. Because I watched. Does it expand the, the Maze Runner for, universe? Uh, well, yeah. It did because does previous it, to it did not the exist. Is it racist? Oh. <laughs> A little. Oh, okay. I, I think that I would show. I would love to have kids. I would love to show them the order in which it was made because I would want them to experience it the way that the world experienced yeah. it. Like I, I, that I, makes I, the most sense. I uh, I'm a big fan of the um, C.S. Lewis books. What's the, the Lion, name? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. And he wrote those not in chronological order as far as the universe is concerned. So they were released in a certain order where The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was first. And the second to last book he wrote was The Magician's Nephew, which takes place before The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And now when you buy those books, they order them with Magician's Nephew as number one instead of Lion, the Witch, so and the Wardrobe. So not the way they were released. They, right. They released them in chronological order. And I read them in release order, and it added so much to the story to be jumping around back and forth in this timeline yeah. where the world was fleshed out. In such a cool way that like expanded my mind, and then I really think that it really detracts from it to read it in chronological order instead of release order, because the world yeah. is built as it was built in the mind of the author as he was releasing. He's weaving it. a yeah. story through yeah. this thing. Yeah, and I think and that I don't know how C.S. Lewis wants it to be read. I'm not sure. Where I know did that he George go Lucas back and change the order. I'm not sure he if it was him or the in. publishers. I don't know. Where I know that George Lucas wants Change people to watch die. one, two, three, four, five, yeah. six. You know, that's what he, he does? wants. Oh, he, yeah. No, that's the whole reason too. See, he, he went back and he understand. had a, He was not happy with his vision. That's why he went back and right. added all this CGI crap to the originals. Like he wants it a certain way. That's just not gonna happen. It's too. No, he's not. He doesn't have an objective uh, viewpoint. So, right. What can you expect? But then is his, I mean, as the creator, can we even possibly say that his viewpoint is wrong? Because how can we pull ourselves out of this emotional morass to say that it's wrong to watch 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6? We can't. We we can say some stories are good because they're consistent. Is it consistent? Is this a consistent story? Star Wars? Yeah. Hell no. (laughs) I mean, it's in in our hands now. I think you, you... you view it how you want. I don't think it's up for him to decide how you watch his movie. Yeah. And it's only important from the point of view of like wanting our kids to experience something that we loved in a way that they will love. That's why it's important. Remember when he released Star Wars, it didn't say episode four on it. Mm-mm. Not until he like, when they released Empire Strikes Back, it said episode yeah. five. Yeah, and then when they then released, they went back yeah, yeah, when they released it. A New Hope, and a lot of people were actually confused because yeah, they right. there was there was a Mad Magazine on. article where they were making fun of that, and they had like 
Here's Star Wars Episode Twelve. It's story, it tells yeah. the story, and it comes after Episode Nine. And yeah, uh, really I confused. I mean, it wasn't even a New Hope until they released it on video. It was yeah, just Star Wars. It was just Star Wars. And I just read uh, Making yeah. of Empire Strikes Back, and it was Star Wars Two for a long time in production before they changed it to Episode Five before they released it. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, this stuff was. A lot of the, like all this argument about how George Lucas had everything in his head before he no. wrote. It's not true. I mean, he had no. an outline, but so much of it changed. And then so much of it changed during the production of the prequels. And a lot of what we don't like about it was added at those points. This is frustrating. Hi, Jesse. And hello, everyone out there in sci-fi, universe, land, world, whatever. I'm Bobby Bowner, B-O-U-G-H-N-E-R, at Bobby Bowner on Twitter and Instagram. And Bobby Bowner Comedy on Facebook. What is the legacy of the film Star Wars The Phantom Menace? I remember back to the day where I stood online for hours to see this film. And I was incredibly excited. I was so excited to see this film. I brought a ton of friends with me. We were, we were all ready to see this. And I distinctly recall it being 20 seconds of sheer excitement during the Lucasfilm fanfare followed by two hours of abject disappointment. I don't necessarily fault Lucas for the shitty title, Phantom Menace. It's a lame title. Everyone knows that. But rather, I fault the baboons that thought it was a good idea. Like, his group of yes-men. Um, whoever was like, oh, that's fucking genius. Um, fuck that guy. Fuck those guys. Fuck all those people, Okay. Put all those people's name on a plaque, build a monument to them, so their stupidity is never repeated or forgotten. The history of humans is full of taxation and trade disputes and racial and nationalistic conflicts. Don't you think it's just a waste of time to try and Nostradamus the shit out of this movie when there are so many real things to criticize? Like the fact it's boring as fuck because no one gives a shit about taxation and trade disputes? Do you remember the last sci-fi film that excited you because of the fiscal aspects of its plotline? What's this movie's legacy? Aside from the disappointment at the title and... Let's face it, the awkwardly pieced together histories of the most beloved Star Wars characters, uh, despite their stellar historic treatments in the novels... Every single one of those novels has fantastic backstories, but none of that shit needed to be included in this, did it, George? No, it seems this film's legacy is doomed to be nothing more than a fish man whose voice makes you want to chew glass. And yes, of course, I'm talking about that goddamn fucking moron Jar Jar Binks. The third rail of the Star Wars universe. And not to mention that... There is no fucking way in any universe where going through a planet core is the better idea. I think it changed things for better and worse. I think there. I think it's a double-sided uh, coin on that one because I think the visual effects were not the greatest, but I think it showed what you could do with scope. All these different kind of effects and and worlds and backgrounds and. And I think that was good and bad because I think it inspired a lot, a lot of filmmakers to go into that direction in a good way because ILM, right? Industrial Light and Magic is that company. Where ILM is today, some incredible, th incredible things. But where it kind of hindered was also then people really 
started to shift away. I think some people started to shift away from practical effects. But then there's also another flip side to that because I think there are a lot of people who are like, this is garbage. We want practical effects back. So then there was sort of this, you know, kickback of like, no, we're longing for the days of, of guys in suits, you know, people in suits and, and this, you know, kind of ridiculous world and seeing miniatures and stuff like that. In fact, and this is weird because when they first, okay, so episode one has... Um, mainly CGI, but then they decided to do a Yoda puppet. And it's terrible. It's an awful puppet. And then George Lucas, well, I, okay, I'm not going to blame George Lucas again. But, um, and then they re-released the film after Attack of the Clones came out and they did fully CGI Yoda for Attack of the Clones. And they re-released episode one and replaced the puppet with the CGI one, which looks better. And it's such a strange thing that happened because I'm like, I loved, I loved the puppets in the original trilogy. And here it was like, we tried to do practical, practical effects, but it sucked. So we went to CGI. I don't know. I don't, I'm not really sure where I'm going with that, but I think it's an interesting thing that occurred in time. And now here we are with, you know, on the brink of episode seven and they're going back to practical effects. And because I think people ultimately realize that it's, I'm not going to say it's better, but it's it's a really great way of storytelling and, and great for everyone because I, even Jake, okay, so Jake Lloyd, who played Anakin Skywalker in episode one, right, the little kid, he publicly blames episode one for ruin, ruining his life. I, I don't know if we've talked about that or if you've heard that, but just recently he was arrested for a DUI. He's just kind of gone off the deep end recently, and, and he was, you know, I read this interview with him, and he was saying that he was being picked on at school and, and you know, all of these horrible things, and it kind of just led him to, you know, stop acting and apparently drinking and driving. And as I was watching the movie this second time around, or, you know, this new viewing, I was going, yeah, he's kind of bad in this movie. He's kind of really terrible. And I realized that most of his scenes He's interacting with nothing. It's all green screen, or it's all like he's acting with Watto, and you know he's like, "Hello, Manuma Tafa," and it's like, "Well, you're clearly not speaking to anybody right now, Jake Lloyd. I'm sorry." And he's like, "I don't know, eight, you know, ten. What, you know, what can you do? He's trying his hardest." And so I, I kind of felt bad for him, but I guess the legacy then again is sort of this like, well, maybe if they'd had practical effects, he wouldn't have become a raging alcoholic. <laughs> might have saved his life <laughs> and that's the legacy of uh, episode one <laughs> alright my friends we're almost there we have one question left before we're going to render a verdict this last question is our chance to take a little flight of fancy and say what would we do differently I don't want to just provide all this criticism for the film without offering any solutions. I think a big part to determining whether or not the movie is re truly remembered fairly is to imagine it slightly different, to see if we can come up with something that we maybe would like a little bit better. And if we can, then maybe the movie is deserving of all of the derision it's received. If us in the panel and uh, you know us as fan culture can come up with something that would have made the film a little bit better. So let's find out. Question seven is the yeah. one that's most interesting to me. Let's do it. Uh, what would you have done differently? Can you start this one and then I? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We we had so much fun talking about this the other night, and you said something 3D. that I loved, and then I came up with something that I loved. So let's do it. I just think like 
Darth Maul should have killed Qui-Gon Jinn and then while Obi-Wan's behind the barrier just like made eye contact with him and then walked the fuck off and then he's just the villain <laughs> no. for the, the prequel Jumped series. down the shaft himself. Ooh, yeah. And he escapes jumping on <laughs> the shaft. Yeah. He escapes on his, on his oh, like, motorcycle spaceship. Yeah. I think to yeah. me there's Waiting something more baller than just slowly walking away. Or same away. way when, yeah. when, when Luke lets go and just walk, and then falls down yeah. and gets rescued. Yeah, by we all know Lady there's Falcon. no, you don't die when you fall down the shaft. Yeah. It's got like I, gravity in it. I, I, love, the slow walk. I love the slow walk. I love the slow walk. Kills qui just like slow walks away. Yeah, there's something real. I'm not Anakin. Obi-Wan can't get out of that energy barrier. He can't do shit. Oh my God, you just improved the story so much. That's so cool. Oh, I like that Because for me, like our big issue with the prequel. That's would have been like, yeah, Ooh, like not that just that. Redeemed it for me. You also said the next movie would be a revenge thriller. Yeah, I think Obi Wan. I think Obi Wan needs to be like him pacing back and forth behind that barrier. That's the emotion that I want Obi Wan to be like, kind of fighting the entire time. Yeah, for the first three, I think it makes him much more interesting than he is in the second and third. And then check like it out, going where they tell him go. Yeah, over he's here just kind of like a broken man doing what go he's over told. To the other right, side. and then check it out. He's training Anakin during this revenge thriller movie, and Anakin watching Obi Wan go on this path. Yes. Is what turns him dark. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's so, so much, better. much better. Right? Yeah. yeah. I also think that, like, one of my biggest issues with two and three is no no villain comes close to Darth Maul. Like, Palpatine... Yeah. You kill off your best villain. Palpatine feels cartoonishly evil and never, like, a real threat, whereas, like, the, the combination of him being this genius and then having Darth Maul be, like, his, like... Mm-hmm. His brawn, quote unquote, yeah. would be just such a rad combo yeah, for the and, whole series. And Count Duco almost didn't get that much to do. Yeah. I mean, Christopher Lee Dooku. is amazing. Christopher like, Lee's rad. He's, yeah. Yeah, he's, I don't care about Count Dooku. I don't even no. know who he yeah, was. Well, yeah, yeah, you don't remember he him just, at all. He's, he's Count- a replacement for a better villain. Yeah. 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 That's so, kind of yeah. like in each movie, they kind of just like, nah, like killed off Count the Count Dooku like, is more yeah. like it. So the second movie is a revenge thriller where Obi Wan is chasing down Darth Maul, Anakin's being influenced by all this negative energy as he's growing into the Force. And then the third movie, um, they succeed together, and in so doing, Obi-Wan realizes that Anakin has turned and that it's his fault. And then he has to bring him back, but he can't. And then they have this massive fight on Mustafar, and that's what turns him into Darth Vader. This is this happened in the meeting room, and and George Lucas was like, <laughs> what if, but, but what if this? <laughs> Here's the thing: is that like, we want it... Darth Maul to be two pieces. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just have this vision. I just want what to if there was a love triangle between uh, Obi Wan and 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 uh, Padme. Um, Padme? Of course, that's what I thought and, was going to happen. And uh, Anakin, Ooh, and then that's what I was expecting. Yeah. That's what I was hoping for. And then at the end, it turns out that Obi Wan's really that everyone's dad. Ah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not that Anakin guy. That's yeah, great. I like that, that would story be rad too. Because yeah. his wow. penis doesn't work because of the dark side. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
You know, do you think that Sith can get erections? They can't. That's why. That's how we. That's how we know in the end. That's how we reveal. I think reveal Sith it. can only have erections. Uh, I think that they always have erections. I think yeah. that they're that's casual. Right. The dark side is you. flowing through them, and they're yeah. hard as fuck all the time. Wow. Wow. You've thought about this. <laughs> no, that was just my gut instinct. Yeah. <laughs> I got a double lightsaber. <laughs> double. Yeah. I got a crisscross one. Yeah, I mean, oh, the new lightsaber. Yeah, what about a double crisscross? With a handle that's a lightsaber Hilt. part. Yeah. I, I think that if you take oh, this movie good. as it I'm is, gonna... flaws and all, and then you make it the setup of something that pays off in a big way, you don't you don't hate it anymore. You know, like because episode three was a little redeeming for the prequels, and it made me. Yeah. It I made thought that me, was the worst. Film really, really ever made. See, yeah. I actually felt awesome. things in episode three. Like yeah, I me felt too. Emo- like. I in oh, in no, it's I hated it Hayden like Christensen, they were cramming stuff in. Yeah, but I but were. I actually there are a few moments like one when uh, when um, Yoda feels the disturbance in the Force when he realizes that the clones have torn and he just kind of goes like and hits back like this. Uh, yeah, it reminded yeah. me oh, when yeah. Obi Wan felt that. that. Was great. Like I I was like, oh my god. Like, Order sixty six really, was actually, powerful. That was a really powerful scene. And Order sixty six. That's when all the Jedi were killed by the that clones. That was the command to, for oh, them to order betray. 60, oh, I remember. Yeah. It was yeah. built into the clones yeah. that they would kill the Jedi. I mean, that. Yeah. Like the whole, I don't believe that. You can't program a clone. It's just uh, you can't. It's they genetics. Can. Yeah. The Camino. The Caminos can. The El Caminos can. Yeah, that. They're cloners. That, the last moment, too, Them's with Obi-Wan, cloners. when he's like, I loved you like a brother. Yeah. I I was again watching it recently. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah it was hard kind of because hey, the, I'm feeling things here. This is yeah. Right. We'll get we'll get into good. this in the future. I'm sure. Yeah. But um, like that that scene was hard for me because like the acrobatics of the lightsaber fight were so stupid. Yeah, yeah. Like so swinging unreal. from the vines. So stupid and unreal. Uh, that yeah. I just couldn't. By the time we got to the emotional payoff, I was already pulled out of the yeah. world. But I still I still liked that. That scene, I like yeah. it a lot. Made for some good video But that games. is interesting, yeah. though, because when <laughs> yeah, you ask that really question, cool. like, what would you change, I immediately just went to, I think, kind of the obvious, like, oh, well, I would do less focus on special effects, and I wasn't really thinking about No, but that's, I think that's also like, No, that's good, too. Yeah, go, tell, like, tell us about it. No, I mean, it was just it was just pulling back a little bit. It was just yeah. not just having everything. Yeah, again, having, more, having a little, yes, <laughs> and with only with claymation, not changing yeah. anything. No, like progressing <laughs> and, and whatnot, but having a little more continuity and respect for your original trilogy. Yeah. And just not as, I found it so, everything was so distracting, cluttered, and what we were talking about earlier, having the visuals match up more with the storyline and everything, you just you there was just so much you didn't you didn't need and that's what I yeah. would have changed, which is again kind Real of Real quick on the visuals, I just remembered something you said when we were watching it that I think is fascinating and might be invalidated by the fact that the first three mo- like the original trilogy exists. But on Tatooine everything's really washed out. Like it's really like bright and like really clearly just CGI washed out. And you were you were kind of disliking it, and then you stopped. You went, yeah, but it's a world with two suns, or oh. like something like that. And you're like, I guess it makes sense that it looks that way, and that made me like it more. Because when you had said that, I was like, oh yeah, I don't like this. But then when you pointed out that like, yeah, but I guess like planets will look different depending on what their sun situation is. Yeah. That made no me like it a lot. Memory of this. Oh, I fucking <laughs> loved it. That's also cool. for the record I said in it. terms of like practical sure, effects. <laughs> uh my least favorite thing visually in that movie 
is a is the Nabu security costumes. <laughs> They're the yeah, dorkiest looking terrible. thing. Yeah. It like looks. Oh my god! It's like in between yeah. a bellhop and like a mall security guard. It's the worst <laughs> they outfit. They were like, they're they're gonna sort of look like. Swiss guard or something, you know? It's like a royal guard. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make they they try it's the thing where he, he made the Naboo represent royalty in a yeah. very but elegant there, way. But it's, and it's like but no, it's the democracy. whole city it's is a democracy. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a democratic <laughs> it's a demo- monarchy. <laughs> you get a you get elected queen. Well, Why have they elect a child queen? Because she's fucking genius. I think oh, she probably I, came up with the double idea. I don't <laughs> I don't remember where I read this, but I read something along the lines of like they always elect a child queen. And I don't remember why. I think the child has innocence in their heart. Maybe that was it. Something like That's that. Pretty Obviously good. the people in Naboo are doing something wrong. Oh. Like, yeah. Well they've they're they're not really they they don't seem to have been nice to the Gungans. Yeah, no. they don't seem to be historically sharing technology. Like, and Palpatine is from Naboo, right? Like the Gungans like ran away and were pissed off at them for some reason. I want to see that story. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really want to see any Gungans <laughs> ever. Yeah, they're I, like, you guys have a symbiotic a relationship, but it's like, no, they live in the lake, and you guys live on that cliff, and that's about it. Yeah, that as, was as one I can tell. Example, at least, where it does seem like George Lucas did listen to the fans, and that he drastically cut back on Jar Jar Binks's character. Yeah. The second and third episode. Oh, yeah. totally. Totally. I actually, General Jar Jar. This is something else I was thinking about is that the fan reaction was so powerful and negative that I'm sure that it influenced episodes two and three. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I'm also wondering, did it make them worse? Because like we're in this world where it's a yes. singular vision, and then the singular vision seems really disjointed and cut to pieces in the second two because um, he is listening to people. Because it gets super dark. I mean, it really yeah. gets dark in the third one. He like yeah. murders children. Yeah, straight that, up. That I mean, that felt I like it was that, always meant to be that way. No, to me. yeah, that that felt very. That's what, the third is my favorite of. Yeah. And I actually, oh yeah, me too. I actually like as much yeah. as I'm talking about how I hate the Phantom. I actually like the third again. Yeah. Not anywhere near right. my feelings of the original, but right. on its own. The darkness in that and everything, I called? really... But I do feel yeah. like his... Revenge of the Sith. But what uh, you guys were talking about in terms of changing the plot makes so much sense because I think one of the other things that was wrong is I didn't feel that there was enough motivation behind mm. Darth Vader, be- behind Anakin becoming Darth Vader. Like, yes. oh, yeah. I won't let you die because I had this dream. And like it felt a little just... Okay, forced. like forced, and like and there he, just wasn't much development with that. Like, really, yeah. like this is gonna. Like he was just angry because they're holding me back. And, I'm more yeah, powerful. I should I'm, be more powerful. I won't. Yeah. I won't yeah. let you die. It I seemed won't real. Let you. It's real whiny. It's they, really, they well, he does so have Luke as a child. So much yeah. more <laughs> development for such yeah. a key character. Like that was of all the everything happening in the prequels this development of Darth Vader needed to be the most prioritized right totally thing. and they like and kept adding other characters attention. and trying to yeah. deal with that and, the, and then his the love first... story and even his love like if you're gonna believe that this guy <laughs> is willing to turn to the dark side for Padme and yet their love story is the most bullshit boring yeah, it's so I boring. laughed out loud watching Attack <laughs> of the Clones and rolling around in the fields with the f- like yeah. I wanted to throw up. Like, they, you know, I in the original Clone Wars cartoons, because they made like the the 3D animated ones. But before that, they made a 2D animated Clone Wars yeah. cartoons that was directed by someone else. Yeah, and they did an arc of Anakin 
starting to turn that was so much more convincing than anything they did in, in Revenge of oh, the really? It was yeah. really cool. But I didn't like that animation. I liked it a lot. Like it was like Jack. Samurai Jack. Yeah, it was I don't like made Samurai by the same guy, Jack. right? I think so. I haven't seen Samurai Jack. Nothing against Samurai it. Jack's rad. You'll like yeah. Samurai yeah, Jack. Yeah, I should check it out. It's like 12 minutes at a time of no dialogue. Cool. It's yeah, that's so... what this was like, the Clone Wars cartoons. Okay, I you know what I would do guy. to change this movie is, um, you, you ever watch He-Man? Yeah. Um, it would make it more like He-Man. <laughs> simplify the plot. <laughs> I would still keep in all this trade stuff, but it'd like really simplify it for the kids. Yeah. And... uh and make it more like really cartoon, more cartoonish. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. And more. Uh, that would bring it more in tone with the originals. Like, yeah. Because the originals are broad, like archetypical stories. Just simplify everything and like really like bring out the characters' yeah. traits more instead yeah. of having them all kind of be very like, similar. Simplify is a yeah. key word and simplify uh, yeah. everything. A huge thing would be to have characters that you connect to because yeah. there's none. The only character that they put time and effort into having you connect with was Jar Jar. I really believe that, especially watching it twice this week. Yeah. Like they're putting so much into Jar Jar. He has all these characterizations. He's supposed to be fun and likable the whole time, but it doesn't work. Um he's not fun and likable. He's annoying and stupid. Yeah. Um and Jar Jar then- has a has like something happened to him. He got banished. He was banished from his society. Yeah. yeah. He's a criminal. Yeah. Jar Jar is clumsy. A, Jar Jar is, but clumsy, that's how he described it, but he yeah. could have killed somebody. But yeah, then but they, he also probably did. He continues to do that. Yeah. He might have messed something up. His clumsiness he was the only thing that was like successful in the battle uh, against the battle droids. Yeah. But the, none of the rest of the characters are likable. And, and Ewan McGregor, I think, is a high point of these movies. Not in this movie. I mean, he doesn't do no. shit. No. Yeah. He yeah. develops. He, he, I think he, overall the casting of him was good. I, I can't yeah. think of anyone else I would have cast for Obi-Wan. He's and I brilliant think he in the did. third he, movie. He, he really does a good job. And even Liam Neeson, again, watching it the second time, I was like, I still don't connect to him no, as much as I should. No, he's so wooden. But I still think do you guys I think it's much to work with. Do you guys think it's necessary that he does an Alec Guinness impression for the whole movie? <laughs> <laughs> I like, love it. Do you think he could have just I done... I think he should have been a little more wild. His own voice. He was like, no, I think that I think he the third movie when he he says hello there and he says it just like Alec Guinness. It gave me chills. Yeah, I'm like Obi Wan lives. I think he does. I think fair enough. It is. I, yeah, in it fact, is. I think yeah. If there's it's like the a, most redeeming thing about the prequels in general would be Ewan McGregor. Yeah, I do. I buy him. I buy yeah. it as yeah, him as Obi Wan. I agree. More than anyone, I, I can't think of anyone. There's every other character I could replace, but I think yeah. he was. I still think he could have had a better script to work with, but I think for in sure. terms of... He made a lot with what he had in the yeah. third movie. And making a lot with what you have on a green screen movie is so hard. Yeah. And I think that's a big problem, especially in the first one, where it was new to all of those actors, yeah. I think. Yeah, I and mean, you can tell. They're just, again, everyone's kind of doesn't know what they're doing. They're disjointed. Yeah. They're disoriented. They're, they're just... Well, yeah. It's like acting in one of those plays where there's no props. Yeah. You know, people do that. So they should have hired people that can do it. Like Shmi yeah, Skywalker actors. can do it. Shmi. She, I actually, the, I bought her performance. Oh, yeah, I bought she her. She has a small, I was like, you're okay. I liked her. I, should have just been her and Watto. And yeah. that's it. Yeah, she I has a very you, you grounding were, performance. She had an accent. Yeah. And Darth Maul killed it. She had yeah. a, what was <laughs> her accent? Killed, killed Qui-Gon. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone ever see Superman Lives? No. Superman Returns? Superman Returns? Yeah, that's the one. Where he, um. He, the guy who acts like as acts like Christopher Reeve. Yeah. 
Mm-mm. He acts just like Christopher Reeve. Yeah, yeah. yeah Brian Singer directed that, and uh, Brandon Routh was supposed to be the Christopher Reeve Superman. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. enjoyed that. that it was, was cool. it was okay. I thought it was a little dry. That I was that was I, better I than uh, I didn't Ewan McGregor it. being Alec Guinness. I disagree. Hmm. I think I think uh, Ewan McGregor as Alec Guinness was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and he had a little bit of it going on in the first movie, and it got a lot more intense as as it went along. But what one of the the best things about the original trilogy is when you find out that Obi-Wan trained Darth Vader, you know? I remember realizing that when when Wait, you f- but you knew that. Well, yeah. in, no, I'm like no, watching really. the original he was a trilogy. Student, he was All a you, student of mine until he turned to the that's, dark side. That's no. exactly what I'm talking about is yeah. that moment when you find out in the first oh, movie, first, all you know episode is 4. Oh. That that's yeah. what why I was excited about the prequels. I'm like, wow, you get to see Obi-Wan train Darth Vader. Like, you get to see that transition of, of him training someone and that person turning bad. Yeah. That's what I wanted to see, you know? That's what I was felt like I was being set up to see, and that didn't really pay off as much. In the in the In the prequels, yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't clear that that's what was happening. No, you kind of, they skip ahead a lot of that. Yeah. I, I do enjoy yeah. that opening sequence of, of episode two, of where they're yeah. racing through the city in all the cars, yeah. and he's and being kind of brash. And recommending him, and kind of, no, like, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's about like, scene. Like, they they, yeah, they cut the teeth out of it. Basically, like, Obi-Wan is doing his best to train this kind of, like, rambunctious, reckless guy. No, fuck that. Obi-Wan yeah. is doing a bad job, and he trains Darth Vader. Like, yeah. that's what it should have yeah. been. It should have been Obi-Wan fucks up. That's, that's what, episode two, Obi-Wan fucks up. Yeah. That's what it should have yeah. been, you know? And, like, that is, like, the core, the emotional core of these movies is watching this hero fuck up and create, create his own villain. Yeah. yeah. The one other thing that I would do with the first one is just have one person go through the script and make sure that the characters make sense as, like, an individual. Yeah. Because, like I was saying about Anakin, he's, like, a dumb kid who's also a genius kid. He makes C-3PO and also thinks Padme's an angel. <laughs> I can't get over how dumb that line yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. But then also, like, I mean, Padme. He's flirting. He's, like, precocious. He's flirting. Well, he th- well I, think, I honestly think that he, he thinks like of Angel. He thinks of Angel as something else, like something other than we yeah. think of it. Because right. he's talking about like these he's fighter pilots action. talk about angels that are from this other planet. I, I that line doesn't yeah. bug me as much because he it's but not it's supposed still, to be like a like, biblical again, angel. You need to remember yeah. though that your your audience are human beings on this planet, <laughs> and when you hear the yeah. word angel. That's going to conjure right. up certain, even it's though just, you know it's a cheesy line. It's a poorly written line. Oh, are you an angel? But he doesn't mean real angels. He means oh, space angels. No, See what a, I no, did? Isn't no, that, it's no, it's not clever. <laughs> and then when you find out that there was an immaculate conception, you're like, fuck this movie. Uh, right. <laughs> but then I also, explain like, that there's a father. Padme, when she starts being a character, I was like, oh, this character's rad. She's got like a little Khaleesi on her. She's like got an iron will. To like, just like she'll do whatever for her people, and then at other points she's like a bumbling fool, and so just like yeah. some level of like her continuity. I found really inconsistent, and then uh, yeah. I didn't buy her. Uh, the the scene where Anakin's flying in space for the first time, and he's cold, and she's trying to comfort him. That scene is terrible. I mean, yeah, I, that's yeah. like that's them so, trying to make a connection that you know is going to come back working. around to them getting married later on, but it's not working it's not sold at all like the acting is so flat and she just seems God, like so dumb in that I just scene realized I think space I is cold Portman because you know what the other movie I hated her in was Thor the fact that she's a super smart like scientist but then around Thor she's like <laughs> uh. like flipping her hair like, he's 
so hot. And I feel like in, in Star Wars, in fairness, she's like this powerful queen. Yeah, he's and real hot. I would I do know, the same exact thing. I know. I, I'm a big fan just of Natalie Portman. No. I just don't like her in these movies. Well, I, yeah, well, I, mean, I like her. I don't she, like her character. It's, the, it's a terribly written. It's a, none of the love story makes sense. It, there is no uh, like the their whole relationship. Give me one scene where like she's trying to fix something and like he's trying to help her and she's like, "Get off me." You know, like that was, I'm a mechanic. I know how to do this. About, like restraint in the originals. The fact the so one yeah, of the, another gross. interesting thing I saw is watching this behind the scenes footage of the originals. And there's a scene where on uh, on Cloud City when uh, Han and Leia are like making out and like kissing, and they decided to take that out and just have it be when she's like, "Look, I don't trust Lando," and yeah. you know, kind of like just puts you never. Besides that one kiss, they have everything is so. It's just back and rest- yeah. It's just this yeah. tension and this awesome, like, unique kind of, I love you, I know. Like, this weird, like, unique love story. And they go it's so cliche Harrison. with it. Yeah. The, but in this yeah. in this movie, there's just too much and going Carrie on. Fisher. They're not like and Carrie Fisher. They're not like fun. in She's the brilliant. same place doing the same thing. They're yeah. like, I'm on this planet. You're over here. We're gonna meet at a cabin for a week, and then that's supposed to be our love story. It's like yeah. it's all <laughs> right. separated yeah. out. Everything's and separated. Dial- I'm so in. Oh no, you're so beautiful. That's only because I'm so in love. But oh. I'm so in love with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Their whole re- so their whole much. relationship. It was based on a Japur snippet. A <laughs> Japur snippet. I was thinking about that today. I'm like, why did that? Why did we need that word? Yeah. When he carves her that little thing that gives oh, her, so she'll remember I him. Carved I carved it out of a Japur snippet. Out of a Japur snippet. <laughs> what the hell? Well, you can imagine. You can only imagine. What I would have done differently is I would have, if in episode one, I would have given Rick Oli a lot. Because <laughs> yeah, main character that, status. It, main character status. He's like the pilot guy who's like, I don't know, Jedi's. I don't really like him, but I'm here to protect the princess. Jedi's don't like him. He doesn't like Jedi's. He doesn't. What's Jedi's he doing? Don't like Is him he a, because he doesn't buy their all their force stuff, and he doesn't think that they should really? be in charge because he's wise to the fact that they got too much power. And he's <laughs> well, why is he so mistrustful of them? Because they have too much power, and he doesn't know what their motivation is. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds like a good story. Yeah. I, would, I would add one more thing. Detective Oli. A smuggler. Anyone. Anybody, it's Rick Oli. He was the smuggler the Talon whole time. Broad, uh. Talon Broad. One of the most dynamic characters. Sorry, the Timothy Zan. He's a very Han Solo-like character. It means why the scoundrel this, character. This, the the scoundrel, Thrawn yeah. trilogy is one of the best. I wish they would just make that into the sequels. Yeah. So many good. Talon Krad is this brash... Uh, smuggler that Mara Jade comes on and works with him. Comes on? Let's hear from Kyle Kennedy about what he would do differently. Essentially get rid of episode one altogether and shift shift the entire prequel trilogy to the right by one movie. So uh, Attack of the Clones would essentially become episode one. Uh, Revenge of the Sith would become episode two and then there would have to be like a new you know, yet to be titled episode three. And Revenge of the Sith, the, as episode two, would probably need to be retitled, too. But basically, you know, and this ties in with kind of what I had mentioned just uh, just previously, but, you know, I just don't think that there's a lot of value in episode one, and it was just kind of a bad movie overall. And then again, with how they handled, how they rushed, really, in my opinion, the whole transformation into Vader, the thought process is just kind of like, start the trilogy in the middle of the conflict, the middle of the Clone Wars, which I think makes enough sense because you 
hear some, or maybe not a ton, but you do hear about the Clone Wars from time to time in the original trilogy, that it's like, it's not that unreasonable to just drop the viewers into that and pick the, the story up from there. In, we'll call it, you know, Revenge of the Sith episode two, what I would rather see there is everything up until the point where he becomes Vader, like just prior to that. And just basically have it, you know, roll credits and like as he's becoming Vader or like just when he's on the precipice of it. And then have the new episode three be like nothing but the transformation into Vader and him like going out, killing all the Jedi and like the, you know, horrific rise of the Empire. That to me seems like a much more meaningful story to be told and something that shouldn't be rushed and also just like a much more compelling movie in general. So I think... You know, for the sake of argument, I think the counterpoint to this or some of the stuff I read is, you know, people that don't hate the trilogy a lot, they'll say things like, you know, well, there's so much like lore and, and canon and blah, blah, blah. And it's like they show all these great things that have only been like hinted to. But like, so if you take the position that that's what episode one was, like showing the political conditions that created the empire and, and all that, and that you need to have this movie for those reasons. I don't think you need an entire movie just to have that. I mean, it seems kind of boring and like a waste. Um, and I think a good a good analogy to that is Lord of the Rings. I mean, that's another uh, another trilogy or another set of you know another saga, if you will, that has a ton of lore, a ton of canon, a lot of backstory. And, you know, uh, Peter Jackson is certainly not shy of dragging things out, but we don't get an entire movie on, like, the origin of Gollum or an entire movie on the, the War of the Rings. Like, each of those movies, or at least two of them, they just have, like, really well-done prologues. It might be, you know, 20 to 25 minutes of a prologue, but when you watch Fellowship of the Ring, he's able to set up the entire thing with just a well-told prologue. And I think if that's the argument like well we need episode one to set up all this stuff it, that's to me the most compelling counter argument to it is you could have done that in 20 minutes you could have shown you know uh, Palpatine becoming the emperor and like the whole thing like you could have done all of that really briefly and still in a compelling way that's not rushed and then just drop you right into Attack of the Clones all right folks we've provided you with so much to think about so much to consider for Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So it's time to decide if this movie has been remembered fairly. Let's hear what our panel has to say. All right, so we, we've reached the end. We've reached the moment of truth. Uh, the verdict, was this movie remembered fairly? I say no. No, why? Because uh, I think it is genuinely remembered by most as... Uh, utter garbage and I think it's a fine movie that is held up with the standards like with the the weight of the original trilogy on its shoulders when you say fine do you mean like a fine wine or fine like it's fine like no, it's, it's fine cold. like it's fine like fine yeah, yeah. <gasps> like fine like I'd fuck this movie <laughs> <laughs> John what do you think uh, yeah I think people are a little bit too hard on it but it's definitely like not doesn't stand up as like super it's not this like citizen kane i don't know if citizen kane's that good but it's not so like, you're a no also it's not it's not like really. top 100 afi films yeah right no i mean no one no one's claiming and i don't that. think anyone would claim that yeah no. so we got two no's ryan casey 
Is it remembered fair? I think it's remembered. I think my memory of it is fair. I think that I remember it being a very conflicted movie where it, I don't like all of it, but I like Star Wars a lot, and I like some parts of it, and I think it's yeah. very flawed. But I, I think I don't think people judge it. I think people judge it as hard, hard as they should because they care about it and they care about Star Wars. And if uh, it didn't have the possibility of being good, we wouldn't give a shit that it was only just kind of bad or yeah. only okay. Well, now I agree with that. You agree? You're, I agree with what he said. So you're switching from no to yes? Yes. <laughs> Is that fair? Wow. Well, I guess that's fair. So we got <laughs> we got to know it's not remembered fairly. But also, I think I'm I'm somewhat conflicted because the Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes uh, ratings were so much higher than I expected. They're and, like a D and, plus, D yeah, minus, yeah. and are what I would say is appropriate. Yeah. Um, so, so using that as the metric, which we are. I mean, we're using. That's what I was thinking when I started I think, agreeing yeah, with yeah, that. I think as far as people as individuals remember it, I guess yeah. But like, it does seem to have, even though people seem to think it's like fine yeah uh, there is like a weird cultural there's like a taboo about it that i think is undeserved well, yeah we wouldn't be able yeah. to talk about yeah. it for four hours if it wasn't yeah a yeah I, thing using metacritic and rotten tomatoes as a metric i think is is a fair way to go because you not only have the aggregate consensus of critics but of the public and yeah. and I, i'm also surprised by the level where like between 50 to 60 percent uh where it's remembered Kind of divisively and in the middle. I, I thought it was going to be remembered like very poorly. Yeah. Um. So, do you think Ryan? Do you think divisive in the middle is? Yeah, is well, fair. But I mean, it was, it was still like a successful movie. Like yeah. it still, like made some. There were some rad video games that came out for the prequels. There's Episode One Racer. Yeah, and it, it allowed and, and it allowed a whole new generation of people to like love star wars who probably aren't gonna watch a movie that's like that was uh 20 years old like kids liked it and so kids liked star wars and so i think that's i think it's good i think it's good that the movie exists even though i am disappointed by it yeah uh, yeah it, but yeah jenny what do you think uh I mean, yeah, even rewatching it, I think it's remembered fairly, to be honest. I, I rewatched it, and I, although I could pick out scenes, okay, like, I can appreciate this and this, I still think it's it's kind of as bad of a movie as I remember in general. I can, even if I say, okay, I can enjoy it, I still think it's just, it's just kind of a bad, mediocre movie. Yeah. Uh, Would you put it lower than the Rotten Tomatoes and... Metacritic consensus? Yeah, I still think that if it didn't have Star Wars attached to it, it would have been a shitty movie. I think yeah. the only thing and yeah, you can argue that maybe it made advancements in in CGI and whatnot. I still don't think we would there's no way anyone would be, I don't just don't think people would be talking about it in set, except in very small cult groups. Yeah. Um I I don't think it's I don't think it's a good movie and I think that that holds up Fairly, I think this is even the whole Rotten Tomato and everything is even a little better than it deserves. It's got its <laughs> moments. It's got a cool Jedi lightsaber fight, and it's got a cool new score. And but it's you know, but yeah, it, oh, the it score is so good. Things. The score is great all the way oh, through. Of course. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, but that's again, that's still continuing off of Star Wars of yeah. what John Williams already did. 
So, yeah, it had its moments, but overall it's still just, I think it would have been a completely forgettable movie without its attachment. Yeah. I was really hoping and planning to say no uh, before we started this. Like, my honest thought upon rewatching it a couple times this week was, no, this isn't remembered fairly. This is better than we're remembering it. We are being unfair to this movie. But after this conversation, <laughs> I, I, I wish I could say that I felt that way, but I don't. I feel like, um, like a 50 to 60% is pretty fair, you know? So is this consensus? I think... <laughs> I think so. You, you, yeah, because I, uh, yeah, because the those ratings are so much higher than I expected. When I yeah. went into this being like, y'all defend it, it's because in my so, head people are like, this is the word. We move for a vote of no confidence. <laughs> so, <laughs> George Lucas's leadership. It's, it's because people care about it that they're so vocal about yeah. the fact that they the problems that they have with it. Right. Yeah. yeah, and a big reason why I wanted to do this is to look at. I feel like we're living in this time of internet trolls where negativity is winning out online. Um, and I think it's important to look at things from a positive perspective and try to find the good in things. Yeah. And I think we did a really honest yeah. job of that tonight. It's also, it's, it's sometimes nice to like not like something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> something like, I'm trying to like a movie for like what, for to like, so you can pick it apart. Yeah, like it's nice I want to be. Like I want to be bigger than that. Like when when Dan and I watched this, oh, and we're just like though. finding all these reasons to <laughs> like it. I just felt like such a big person, and I loved it. I loved the way I felt. I think it is fun, but I don't. Uh, I think it's fun. I don't think it's necessarily positive outside of the fact that's a fun thing to do, though. I, I just think, think, I think the world's uh, yeah. a real garbage place, so it's a real. It's like I. Uh, okay. I think it's a kind of garbage place. So it's like why not find things that are. You good? can enjoy the parts that are sure. good, and and enjoy ripping on the parts that are clearly bad yeah. i think it's a fun yeah. way to watch a movie yeah and overall i don't think it should change in terms of it should not diminish your love for the originals or it should have any effect on that like it doesn't yeah. make me even necessarily hate george lucas or anything and i do though if there is one thing that i love about it, i think it was what you said or whatever that it, it it kept star wars going i love that a movie that i was so passionate about that a 10 year old is still into that it's kept it if that's if it just kept it going I, I don't care i'm glad i'm glad it didn't ruin star wars honestly it's kind of actually a testament to how great the concept is that it could be such a bad movie and that it didn't destroy it and ruin it yeah. and end it forever because you would actually think with the movie kind of he, that bad that yeah. that would have been the end of star wars and they would have not made any more that's a good point well, no, and yet it's, it's still uh, going yeah. it's so a total they did happy something ending, right cuz in the end it, it it released it because those movies were bad he's released the property and now we're gonna yeah, get like yeah. spin-off movies and we're gonna get I tv like that, shows dude. yeah that's what we're gonna get star wars meets reason. star trek i'm yeah. a big fan i'm a big believer no, that yes. bad things are necessary that suffering is necessary in life and that bad yeah. things are necessary and you know so maybe this yeah if this hasn't <laughs> been so bad we're gonna star turn this into a bigger thing to belong to <laughs> yeah, the larger world and yeah. by larger world i mean if, the disney corporation yeah. <laughs> at least they're gonna make yeah. a lot of movies so that some of them will I'm be bad not, and some of them yeah. will be good and like well, maybe we'll get some and ones. even if i'm if i can't my yes. my kids might not like Maybe they won't like Star Wars, but because of all, you know, at least they'll still know. I think it'll still be relevant. And yeah. they'll still, all have it. I don't know. When I was a kid, I wanted desperately for this movie to not exist. I wished that they would find a way to retcon <laughs> it so that this wasn't 
the movie. Yeah. I'm like, well, why don't wait before they make episode two? Can they just make this one again and make something better, Do and then remake. we'll move on from there? Mm-hmm. I desperately wanted that, and then as an adult, I desperately wanted to not want that anymore. I desperately wanted to be okay <laughs> with this movie as it is, with all the flaws. And I felt that for two days, and it was glorious. But um, I gotta, I gotta be real and say that like, um, all, all of this talk has brought up some old wounds. I thought that I was over, yeah. and maybe I'm not. You know, and maybe I, maybe I never will. Well, love it doesn't this movie. mean you have to like carry it around like a burden. Right, that's yeah. true. Yeah. I do think I've let that go. Memory, you know. Yeah, and you can I, still watch the original. I mean, yeah. still love that. That's not changed. And you know what? The progress I've made is that I can now watch this movie and enjoy it, and that's great because yeah. there are things about it I like. Yeah. yeah, and it's no longer like a deep wound that's being gouged at by Jar Jar's claws. You know, yeah. it's now it's now like there are scars, and when Jar Jar tries to get in, he's he hits skin. You know, yeah, and he bounces oh, wow. off. Yeah, no, I'm Clumsily finding myself actually wanna, wanting to turn it on and watch that last lightsaber battle with yeah. with uh, Darth Maul, which is I, can, I, I could watch just the first years. ten minutes of the movie and turn it off, and I would like that movie. Well, this was. Amazing guys, yeah. like this was this exceeded my expectations for how cool this could be. Uh, I'm so excited that you guys came and did this. This was like the perfect panel of people. Couldn't have asked for anything better. Uh, I hope people out there enjoy this. I made a Twitter account at Sci-Fi on Trial. There's one follower. It's me. Um, <laughs> but if you want to weigh in, if you think this was, if you think this movie is remembered fairly or not, if you want to weigh in, uh, check us out on Twitter and let us know. And man. It was it was a journey, but we made it. Any any parting thoughts, anyone? May the force be with the you us, <laughs> you us, yeah. Yowes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, <laughs> and that's a wrap for Sci-Fi on Trial. Bye, y'all. There you have it, folks. Consensus. We've reached a consensus that yes, this movie was remembered fairly for being not so great. Thank you so much for sticking with us through this incredible, epic trial. Thank you so much to all the panelists and guests who made this so exciting. And, of course, thank you to you, the listener. Thank you for sticking with us, and I hope you will in the future as well. Speaking of the future, I ran a Twitter poll to see what you wanted us to debate for the next trial, and I'm thrilled to announce that the winner was Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I cannot wait. These things are hard to produce. They take me quite a while to finish, so it's going to be a little while before we get the next trial going. I'm hoping to record the panel discussion sometime in early February and start releasing episodes towards the end of February or possibly into March. If you would like to contribute to the trial of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Record yourself answering one of the questions and send them on over to scifiontrial at gmail.com. All the questions except for the special question will be the same for the next episode, and you can find them written up at scifiontrial.com. This podcast is part of the Sci-Fi Project, my multimedia science fiction experience that you can find at jessemercury.com. If you'd like to support this podcast and the rest of the Sci-Fi Project, you can do so at patreon.com slash sci-fi project. All it takes is a dollar a month and your support means the world to me to keep these podcasts going and to keep this awesome train churning along. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive review on iTunes or the podcast platform of your choice. If you cannot wait for the next episode, and it's going to be a little bit of a wait, head on over to jessemercury.com to check out my weekly show, Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. 
I've recently had two of the contributors to Sci-Fi on Trial do full episodes with me on my other podcast, Pete GK and Andrew Lee Creech. And as of this week, I'm going to start discussing The Force Awakens. And I will have Jenny Krantz come on the show because I am dying, dying to sit down and talk with her about what she thought of the film. John Williams, you write the most amazing music, and I stole all of it for this podcast. But I just wanted to give credit where credit's due. You're fucking awesome. I love you. That's it. The conclusion of our epic, epic three-part trial of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I hope you had as much fun as we did, and I cannot wait for the next episode, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We'll see you then.